when we were uh, asked me later about the story, story when I found out we first had twins. If you don't know it, it's pretty funny. It's the closest thing I came to fainting in my life. Thank you, brother. But um, I wanted names that I wanted names for my <clears throat> for my children that mean a lot to me from Scripture. Uh, names that um, stick out to me as those who love the Lord and who want to follow the Lord. And so I, I am known for speaking fast. And I'm going to try to speak slow, or as slow as necessary. But I'm really excited about these two individuals, uh, Joshua and Caleb. So if we could um, begin reading in Numbers uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Okay? And we'll leave it right there for now. For those, I see we have some visitors. Um, so to give it a little bit of a background, we're going to spend some time in the, the context of where we're at here in this chapter in Numbers. God had promised a land, some land, a long time ago. Genesis chapter 15. He first promised it to Abraham. He promised, first of all, that he would have lots of descendants. And these descendants would be foreigners. In a, they would be strangers in a foreign land. He also told them they'd be there about 400 years. And then he said afterward, God would judge that country that, that they were ended up being enslaved in and deliver them and God promised them they would come out with great possessions and they would come to the land of what's called land of Canaan they would come to this land currently occupied by others the Canaanites amongst others so that was God's promise way back Four, more than 400 years earlier to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. But we see in Exodus chapter 3 that God renewed this promise to Moses and to the Israelites. He says, I will bring you out of Egypt. I will bring you to the land and give you the land of the Canaanites, of the Hittites, of the Amorites, of the Jebusites. I will give you that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a beautiful land. It's a rich land. And I'm going to give it to you. I love the way he says it to Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you this land, Abraham. Abraham had just got done deciding with Lot. Lot he says to Lot, okay, you pick which part you want, Lot. And Lot says, I'll take the best part. You know? And then Abraham, you know, took back and you know, stayed in the hills. And God says, no, no, it's all yours, Abraham. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Arise and walk through it. You see? God already gave it to him. He says, go on, just walk through it. It's all yours. It's going to be yours. It's going to be yours and to your descendants as well. So God promised it to Moses and the Israelites as well. And then what happened? God visited, it says, the children of Israel. He saw. He sent Moses. He sent the ten plagues. And we talked about that before, how these ten plagues were just hammering, each plague hammering a god of the Egyptians. And why did God send these plagues 
so specifically against each of the gods of the Egyptians because he wanted them to know that the Lord is God, not Ra, not the frog God, not the Nile River, but the Lord is the true God. And he wanted the Egyptians to see it. But he also wanted someone else to see it, didn't he? He wanted the Israelites to see it. He wanted his people to see who he is and what he can do. What, and what else did he do? So he, they, he leads them out of Egypt. And remember, <laughs> I love it too. I think Dom was teaching from this. I love it. He leads them out of Egypt, but before he goes, he tells all the Israelites, just ask your, your Egyptian neighbors. Just say, hey, how you doing? You got anything for me? And the Egyptians will just give you things. Here, take this. Here's my wallet, my credit card, here's my investments. Go. You know? And so thus did they plunder the Egyptians. You know, whatever it takes, just get out of here before we lose our lives. You see? God had everything in the palm of his hand. And how did it happen? Just the way he said it would. Just the way he said it would. What is he trying to teach them? That the Lord, he is God. He's the only true God. He's to be trusted. He's to be obeyed. He's to be loved. You see? Is there an application there for us? I think there is, isn't there? For those of us here this morning who know the Lord as our personal Lord Lord and Savior, has he brought you out of a house of bondage? Do you remember those days? I do. I remember looking at something Looking at a situation, knowing it was sin, knowing it was wrong, and then doing it anyway. Why? Because I was a slave to sin. You see? And when you don't know the Lord, that's your situation, isn't it? Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave doesn't abide in the house forever. But a son does. And the son, Jesus, shall make you free. You'll be free indeed. The Lord has delivered us out of that house of bondage. And he has given us promises too. He gave the Israelites promises of the land that he would be with them. He would take them. He would deliver them. What has the Lord given us? Incredible, incredible, precious promises. How about this? I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's meant a lot lately, hasn't it? Some of us going through deep waters, whether it be health or job or other stressful times means a lot. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Isn't that a wonderful promise? You know, sometimes I can't see a whole good work going on inside here. I certainly don't feel like it a lot of times. But the Lord says, I have done a good work. One day you're going to be with me. You're going to see my face and you're going to be like me. And until then, I'm bringing you closer to me. You see, we have God's promises, don't we? They're not a plot of land with a a sea on one side and a river on the other and some other borders. I'll be honest, I think of them as more precious than that. Spiritual blessings. Spiritual inheritance. Through these things, the Lord has provided. Just as he provided for the Israelites, he told them what he was going to do, and then he did it. The Lord says, look, put me first, 
and I'll take care of your needs. How many times have we been in this room praying, asking for the Lord for guidance, asking the Lord for jobs, you know, and we hear the most incredible answers. We ask the Lord to bless our trips. Eric had one trip one way, I had one trip another, incredibly blessed, ways you never even imagined. You couldn't even think up. I can't stop and think about this building, you know. We were almost, what, 20, over 20 years. Just praying and putting the Lord first and not worrying about a building and seeing kind of a need and never really being able to afford one. And the Lord says, here, I'm going to give it to you. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. He has more to provide. He has more to give to us. We're looking at an expansion coming, coming next door here. And uh, the elders, you know, we had, we had no little discussion this week. Their, their red eyes are cleared up by now, but it's one of, the, one of those 2 a.m. jobbies. And uh, I appreciate their, their service for the Lord. But, you know, we're all on the same page. We see what the Lord wants to do. And it was a great time of renewing the vision we believe the Lord has and that we just join in with. And that's what? It's to see people saved. People need the Lord. Think of your neighbors, your co-workers. We talked about this before. Maybe I did mention it here. The studies show there's 4% evangelical Christians in this area. 4%. We're certainly not the moral majority. We're the vast minority when you think about it. People need the Lord. Saints need to grow. We need, each of us need to be exercising our gifts, whether it be helps or teaching or preaching or administration, working together as a body, helping the saints grow. And then as people are getting saved and as people are growing in the Lord, we have, we're actually getting kind of full in this building right here right now. Look around. We have an extra building we're looking at. What are we going to do then? Big, build a bigger building? Well, I guess we might. Maybe we should hive off. Maybe we should multiply churches as the Lord sees people saved in different areas around here. Maybe it's another place in Fremont. Maybe it's another place, maybe in Milpitas. Maybe it's Brentwood. Maybe it's Tracy or out that way, Discovery Bay. You see? That was a good time in talking to these older brothers, these elders who, they were part of the church planting team. They remember those old times. But I'm wondering, what does the Lord want to do next? What is the Lord going to do next? You see the life of the Lord Jesus, what do you see? You see him constantly moving, constantly going to that next city. He said, will you stay here? He said, no, I must go out and preach the gospel in other cities for this purpose I've been sent. You see? So that was something we were, just to, just to clarify for the saints, Something we talked about and we'll be meeting more about. It's just a vision. It's not to be, there are examples in the scripture of building bigger and bigger and bigger buildings. Um, they're not usually very good examples. There's a guy about barns and building bigger, and is about in Genesis about building a big building up to the heavens, you know. But what you see the Lord doing, you see him multiplying churches, seeing people saved and spreading out, seeing the gospel spread, and beyond Bay Area, beyond California. How about around the world? 
What are we going to be actively involved in in seeing churches planted around the world, sending out missionaries to help out around the world? It's going to be exciting. I, I, I have no idea how this is going to happen. If I was an Israelite sitting there in Egypt saying, this is my life, this is what we do, what do you mean we're going to go out and get this land and you know, how are we going to get there? And How's it all? I have no idea. But I know if the Lord said it, there it goes. And we're looking for, forward to how the Lord's going to lead and guide as the Lord saves people, as the Lord causes people to grow. And we all exercise our gifts. And as the Lord moves and leads and guides to plant and multiply churches. Okay, back to Numbers chapter 13. That's the context. God's promised them the land. We'll start at verse 1 again. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. And it goes off the list, each of the names that were sent, one from each tribe. Um, so going through the whole list, I'll just make some, some notes. From verse 6, the tribe of Judah was Caleb, son of Jephunneh. And from verse 8, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, son of Nun. And verse 16, these are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, called him Joshua. So... It's, it seems like from this passage, God is saying, send out men to spout the land that I'm giving you. Okay? But it was mentioned here from the pulpit, and I had to scratch my head and look it up further. Actually, from Deuteronomy chapter 1, it's the Israelites who wanted to do this. It's the Israelites who said, wait, hold on, Moses. Let us send out spies first and check out the land, you know, which the Lord's given us. But let us go check it out first. You see? You have to ask yourself the question, why? If the Lord's given it to you, why do you have to go check it out? You see? But the Lord acquiesced here. He allowed them. Okay, you want to go see it? Okay, go see it. Here's how you're going to do it. Send a man out. Chief men. One from each tribe. So they sent out 12. Let's see how they did that. Verses 17 through 20. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south. And go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season, the first ripe grapes. So what's, what's Moses instructing them to do? He's saying, search out the land. Check it out. You know, they haven't been there before. They're, they're, they're practical purposes, Egyptians. They're Israelites who live in Egypt. They don't know this land. So they're going to go see what's the flatland. Where's the mountains? How's the produce of the land? What's the lay of the land, we would say? Check out the cities. Are they just like little camps of tents? Or are they fortresses? Are they castles? What, how many people are they? What kind of people are there? 
you see. Moses says, go ahead, scope it all out. Get it all down. Okay, so then what happens? Verses 21 through 25. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahimon, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So what kind of land is it? it it's good land, isn't it? It is a land flowing with milk and honey. You've seen clusters of grapes. I mean, we like grapes so much, we'll take pictures of them. You just look at them and go, oh, that looks good. We're talking about a pole. The two men have to carry. There's so much grapes. Okay? I mean, it's hard to even imagine the fruitfulness of the land. You see? It's exactly what God said, right? You want to go search it out? Okay, tell me what you're going to find. Moses doesn't go. I think as Moses knows what he's going to find there, what they're going to find. Exactly the way the Lord said. Okay? But what else did they find there? The sons of Anak. Doesn't uh, delineate it here, but uh, from further reading, the sons of Anak means what? It means giants. It means big folks. Big guys. You, I don't know what... Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember exactly what... Um, in, to put in comparison that Goliath was. I think he was, what, six, seven cubits, nine, ten feet tall? You know? And the idea is you're kind of related. That that's a giant. Okay? So they found the giants. They found the enemies. They found all these people. And they did find fortresses. They did find strongholds, cities, castle-like cities. They spent, what, almost six weeks scoping out the whole land. We have an application here for us. I think we do. The Lord Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he is building his church. I've seen him do it one by one by one. And I've seen, you know, it's the Lord because I know I couldn't do it and no one else I, I know can do it. It's the Lord who saves people. It's the Lord who causes people to grow. It's only the Lord who could change someone from darkness to light. But what has he promised us? Second Corinthians 4, verse 7, he says this. Paul is saying, he says, we have this treasure of the gospel, the message of salvation in earthen vessels. I mean, just clay pots. That the excellence of the glory might be of God and not of us. What's he saying there? We're nothing special. See this, this, this suit and this tie? I'm just a regular old person like anybody else. In fact, I have, a, I have an 8 to 5 job like anybody else. We're just regular old people. Why? God puts that in us, the treasure of the gospel. The only message, when you believe it, you can be saved. You can have all your sins forgiven and know for sure, not guess. That's the gospel. If there's anyone here this morning and you've never 
heard the gospel. Or let me ask you, if it's never impacted your life, never changed your life, and you would like to know more about it, please come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk, tell you about it. I would love to tell you about it. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God gives us the treasure of the gospel. He gives us the treasure of being co-workers with him and building the church. And seeing churches planted, seeing churches multiplied, and seeing missionaries sent out. He wants us working with him. What a, what a, what a privilege. You ever know someone's really good at their job and think, wow, if I could ever learn how to do that, I'd learn it from them. You know? I'd like to sit by them and do it. Well, here the Lord says, come here, I'm going to build my church, and you know what? I'm going to use you. I, matter of fact, I'm not only going to use you, I'm going to equip you first. I'm going to give you a gift, and every true believer has a gift, and I'm going to use you to help build my church. You see? Now, as you, as you start to think about it, you have to scope out the land. And there's land to scope out here. It's not lost on me that we this, this chapel has been in San, started in San Lorenzo, has moved to San Leandro, has moved to Hayward, and now we're on the Fremont Union City border. Kind of almost reminds you of this kind of glory, kind of moving around. The Lord just fought, and you follow where the Lord leads you, you know. Now we've come to this area, and what do we have? We have the largest concentration of, of Afghanis in the United States in this city. And you know what they've done? Many have come here looking for the American dream, right? Two-car garage, good-paying job, pay all my bills, and live life to the fullest and be, what, happy. But what have many of them found? It's not an American dream. It's a what? It's an American mirage. And for many, it is. It's an American nightmare. Why? Sure, they've, I'm not denying they've left worse situations from a context-wise, but you're not going to find your happiness in the materialism of America. You're not going to find your satisfaction, your fullness, what you're really looking for in the United States. You're only going to find it one place. Where's that? That's right, it's in the Lord Jesus. Through hearing and believing and receiving the Lord Jesus through the gospel, that's where you're going to find peace. That's where you're going to find joy. Sins forgiven, a purpose on earth, and a place in heaven. That's the only place. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, but what do we have? We have the largest concentration of Afghanis in the United States is right next to us. We have a mosque down the street, literally. Okay, and I said before, we're 4% evangelical Christians here. Okay, the vast minority. I was, I was uh, uh, talking to, to one brother, and he said, uh, Filipino market, where's the Filipino market? It's two huge ones right down the street. Why is that? It's a huge Filipino concentration here. Same thing. People want to come to America for a better life? Sure, some things get better, but it can't give you peace. It can't give you salvation. It can't give you joy. You see? And you say, Charles, but you know, I don't speak Tagalog. And I certainly don't speak Arabic or Farsi or Pushtu or any of these languages, let alone Telugu, right? And there's so many of them, and there's so few of us. It's too big. 
how are we going to do this? We can't do this. You know, as I sit here right here today before you, I got, I'll tell you right now, I don't know how. I've thought of different ideas, you know. Some of them may be good, some of them I don't know. But I know what the Lord Jesus said. I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know that in Revelation it says there'll be some from every tribe, kindred, nation, and tongue praising the Lord Jesus. And for many years, this country has went out into all the world to preach the gospel. Now what do we have? We have all the whole world coming here. There's at least half a dozen different countries in this room right now, if not more. Not to mention how many more are still outside to be reached. Well, there's two responses we can have. Let's look at those two responses. Verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Ah, here's a horrible word. Nevertheless, I think we use the expression, but an old preacher used to say when you're visiting somebody, don't listen to anything up until you, after they say but. And after that, listen to everything there. That's what they really mean. Nevertheless, or, but the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Vanak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. What are they saying here? Can't do it. The enemy's too large. Sure, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but we can't do this. You don't understand who we saw. You know, he's going to go on to say, look, they're huge. We're little. We can't do this. We can't do this. And you'll see on and on in this discouragement, what is the biggest thing that they're missing? There's nothing about the Lord. There's nothing about the Lord in it. And here's the Lord's refreshment in verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I love that. He said, Let's go. What are we talking about? We're shepherds. What are you talking about, Caleb? We're not people of war. Did you just listen to everything they just said? These guys have got like castles and they're entrenched and they're all over the place and they're huge. He's, yeah, all right, let's go. You're not thinking. Come on, let's be what? Practical about this, right? Let's be practical, come on. Is Moses being, I mean, is Caleb being practical right now? Yes, he is. Practical in what way? He's practically, totally, and wholly trusting God. He said, Lord said, go, let's go. And there's no but, 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 there's no motorboats, you know? It's just go. Well, how are you going to do this? Well, later we find out the Lord can chase an army with uh, horns and lanterns inside pitchers. Not a sword amongst them. 
There's only one thing the Lord needs. There's only one thing He requires of us. And what is that? Willingness that leads to obedience. True willingness. That's where Caleb is at. Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go. Okay, yeah, we spied it out. Okay, let's go. What are these other guys saying? Hold, hold on. Shh, shh, shh. What are you talking about? The Lord said go. Yeah, I went to the same land you did. I saw the same things you saw. But the Lord said we're going to do this. What's Caleb doing? He's remembering. He's remembering the Red Sea. He's remembering the ten plagues of Egypt. Water feeding two million people coming from where? A rock. I think they literally carried the rock around with them. You know, wherever they went, they had the rock and there was water. It's incredible. It's just absolutely amazing. What's Caleb remembering? He's remembering the victory over cancer. He's remembering the jobless situation. He's remembering the impossible situations. The Lord did provide. The Lord did answer. And he's saying, you know what? The Lord already told us. Let's do this. Let's go. Verse 31, another one of those words. Start calling them three-letter words. But, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people, those inhabitants, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Verse 1, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us up, brought us up to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select another leader and return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. It's amazing how far disbelief travels how far it carries, how far it infects. You know, the scripture calls it an evil heart of unbelief. And you can just see it spreading like wildfire throughout the whole congregation. Look how far it went. Look at the accusations. Look at the libel. Isn't that what this is called? It's libel against God. God brought us out here to kill us. Yeah, that's right. God, that's what he did. He just did all those miracles so he can bring you all out here so he can kill you right here. <laughs> but sometimes we don't think straight, do we? If we get rocked on our knocked back, we're not sure. Sometimes we don't think straight about God. You know, and we need people to encourage us. We say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. We're, we are talking about the Lord here, right? Think about those verses recently. Remember what uh, Martha said to the Lord about Mary? Hey, wait a second, Lord, don't you care? 
that I serve alone, my sister sitting over here, I, I tell you, everybody says that word, don't you care? I just, it hits me. Look at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in your mind's eye. Look at in your mind's eye the cross and say, Lord, do you care? You know? The disciples said it too in the boat when the Lord was sleeping. And he said, we're going to the other side. That's all they needed. They woke him up, woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care? Wow, imagine asking Jesus if he cares. Hmm. And that's what they're saying here. Lord, you don't care. You brought us out here to kill us. Now, what did the Lord do? The Lord brought him to the next step of dependence upon him. I'll tell you when, uh, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I don't mind telling on me and Stacy. She's put up with me for 10 years now. She can handle it, I hope. We came out here to, to Union City. I grew up in Fremont, but I got saved and moved, moved soon after. Coming out here was like going to the mission field. Thankfully, we spoke the language. Other than that, we didn't know where anything was at. Didn't know any of the neighbors, you know. And we just thought, well, this is where the Lord has us. You know, we just need to trust the Lord that this is the next step he has for us and our obedience to him. And as I look at the, the, the saints of the Lord in front of me right now, maybe it's going to be in Fremont. Maybe it's going to be Brentwood, Tracy, Maybe it's going to be the most parts of the earth. But the Lord wants to take you to that next step of obedience to him. And you know what? You're going to have to get pushed out of your comfort zone. It might be where you live. We like living. You can tell. The Israelites really liked living where they were living. Or so they thought. It was slavery. You know? But anything was looking better than, 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 than what? Than trusting the Lord now. You see? It's backwards thinking. The Lord might want to pick you up. He might want to move you. He wants to do that next step that's going to cause you to trust him, cause you to lean on him totally. Caleb was willing to do that. Obviously, the children of Israel are struggling with that right now. Let's look at verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I can't think of more encouraging words. He's saying, wake up. Can't you see what the Lord's doing here? He says, he says if the Lord delights in us, he's just delighted all the all way from Egypt. Taking care of you. Like, like, a, like, a, like a mother and a newborn babe. Yeah, I mean, he's just using the word if there grammatically. Come on, think about it. The Lord is delighting in us. He wants to give us his land. There's only one thing that's missing. It's willingness. It's obedience. It's faith. It's love. You cannot take those four apart. They all go together when you're talking about the Lord Jesus and a life with him. 
What's the result in verse 10? And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> Ouch. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. You see what Joshua and Caleb were doing? They were saying, look, the Lord wants to take you to that next level. He wants to take you out of the comfort zone that you're in. Sure, it's easier to go move over here where it's more comfortable or move closer to the family or closer to the job. But will you move closer where I want you to go? Will you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let all these other things be added to you? Will you do that? And the Lord wants to call him to the next step. Joshua and Caleb say, come on, this is the Lord. Let's do this. turn to uh, Numbers um, chapter 32 please Numbers 32 and verse 12 okay keep your finger there I'm going to read, just go ahead and stay right there. I'm going to read you something back from verse, from chapter 14, verse 24. You don't need to turn back. This is the Lord speaking to him. Many of us know the rest of this story. Because the children of Israel would not obey, and they would not trust the Lord, the Lord says, you will not go in. This whole generation, 20 years and older, will not go into the land. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord. And he says in verse 24 of chapter 14, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And in verse 12 of chapter 32, Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. You know what it takes to do what the, what the Lord's saying here? It takes a different spirit. It takes the spirit of the... And I wondered about that. So what's, what does it mean, different spirit? And I think it's clarified here in verse 12 of chapter 32. Does the Lord have your heart? Has the Lord Jesus and his love for you and what he's done for you, both in your salvation and your walk with him, does he have your heart? Does he have it completely? You see, the Lord had Caleb's heart completely. The Lord had Joshua's heart completely. It wasn't the toys. It wasn't the job, the family, the house, the anything else. The Lord had him completely. Those two men, completely. How can you tell? It says this. They holy follow the Lord. What does that mean? Completely. They weren't worried about anything else but doing what the Lord wanted. And that was what's been challenging to me about this verse. I look at my life, and you know what? There's too many things that the Lord didn't have control over. I appreciate what Noah spoke about last week. For those of you who missed it, he was speak, one of the 
major illustrations in there as God said, get away the, from these the pagan wives who are drawing you away from me. And one guy just starts praying that one wife right in the middle of the whole congregation. And everyone just kind of stares. Phineas grabs a javelin and chases him, puts it through both of them. And God said, he had my zeal. He has my heart. I completely have his heart. And he's holy after me. He'll never lack for a man to stand before me. You see? And that's been the challenge that I've taken away from last week's message and reading this passage as well. Does the Lord have your heart holy? Does he have it fully? Let me ask you this question. Does he deserve it? He does, doesn't he? And I think when we get to that point, and again, this is part of the 2 a.m. discussion the elders had. And I, again, appreciate their patience because I had many questions that night. When the Lord has our hearts holy, and we're not worried about the details, not worried about the fact that I don't speak Telugu, Farsi, or Arabic, but I just say, Lord, this is where you have me. This is what you have us doing. Help us. Show us what you'd have us to do. And we're going to step forward. You see? Because you know what? There are big churches in America. There's huge ones. Thousands of people. But you know what? I just don't think it's God's will. I think it's God's will for us to reach out, to go out, to see people saved, to see them grow, and for the churches to be multiplied. Let's turn to Joshua. We're going to finish up our story on Caleb. The great, great example. Make sure I'm not missing a verse here. Joshua chapter 14. Chapter, Joshua chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. And the children of Judah came to Joshua. I'm sorry, maybe give you a little history. But now the people have come into the land. They've, they've had a lot of victories, or some victories to some extent, and, well, a lot of victories. And now they're trying to polish off the work the Lord has them to do. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me, in Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, excuse me, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, on which, I, on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. 
and that the cities were great and fortified, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I should be able to drive them out, drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. So here we are, 45 years later. Who do we still have? We have Caleb. You know, the Lord could have, the Lord could have just brought him in. Okay, after the 40 years, he comes right in the land of, uh, you know, the land of Canaan, and you know, then he ends up dying, and his descendants are doing whatever else. But no, the Lord strengthened him. At 85 years old, the Lord strengthened him. The Lord kept him alive, and He says, and there's no reason not to believe him. He was just as strong as he ever was. And I don't think that's just an older man boasting. I think the Lord provided that for him. That's exactly what the Lord did. So what is he saying? See that mountain over there? With the giants in it? With the fortresses? You know, the Lord might be with me. So I want to take it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I'll tell you, he does have a different spirit in him, doesn't he? If we were looking at that, okay, here's Mission Peak, and put some castles up there, and then put some, you know, a series of Goliaths in there. Yeah, we'd be the, the, we'd be moving away from it. Yeah, but we don't have Mission Peak and castles and Goliaths in it. We have Islam entrenched in millennia. We have Buddhists and Hindus for generations. Those are some giants. But you know what? It may be that the Lord is with us. And that he will give us those mountains if we are willing to get up and go for him. Caleb, he didn't hide behind age. Matter of fact, I don't even think he had to. You know? I think sometimes you get older, you need to let the younger guys step up. But the Lord had kept him strong. And the Lord fulfilled all his promises, just like he promised him. I'm going to bring you into this land, Caleb. You wholly follow the Lord your God. I'm going to bring you into this land, and I'm going to give you your heart's desire. You trusted me. And you know what I like really special about Caleb? Does he seem bitter in all this? No. He suffered with God's people for 40 years, something that was none of his business. But you know what? I think he was sweet about it. He was sweet for 40 years of repercussions of someone else's sin. What does the Lord have for us? The Lord has a building plan. I think, it, it's, it's, again, it's not lost on me that he's moving us around as a, as a body. You know, and how long are we going to be here? What's going to be next? I know as a body of elders, we're looking to the Lord to make that clear. Lord, we, we're here. We're kind of busting at the seams here. We need to expand. But after we expand from there, where next, Lord? Who is that next church planting team who feels burden of the Lord to step out and plant that next church? Where is the Lord going to save people? Is it going to be the the Filipino neighborhood, the Chinese neighborhood, the the Indian neighborhood, the Afghani neighborhood? Maybe it's going to be a mixture like it is today. You know? 
Who's the Lord going to use? I guess the question today, this morning is, is the Lord going to use me? Am I available to the Lord to be used? Do I have that different spirit in me that Caleb, wholly following the Lord's spirit? You know what? And I think of that, that spirit. That's the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? He says, I always do the things that please the Father. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with and I'm straightened. I'm constrained until it's accomplished. Wholly given over to the Lord. That's the spirit of Christ that's in each believer. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would care so much about us, that you would desire to save us. And Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room who knows you, whom you have saved. And Lord, we just, we just confess, Lord, if that was it, it's more than we could ever deserve. But Lord, as we look at this passage, and as you wrote, Lord, these stories are for our instruction, for our learning today. Lord, we take it to heart what it means to come up against a new land and giants in the land and to trust you to be willing to uh, pull up stakes either physically or at least in our hearts and go wherever you would have us to go, do whatever you'd have us to do. Lord, we confess, Lord, I confess my own frailty, my own lack of being wholehearted for you. I thank you for Joshua and Caleb's example. And Lord, I trust you to burn away all those things that keep me from being wholly following you. And Lord, I pray for everyone here who knows you, that Lord, you do the same in their lives. You bring them to that next level of knowing you, the next level of following you, of getting into a deeper relationship with you, even as it brings them out of their comfort zone to that next place where it's just you and them. Lord, that we might all grow closer to you all the more as we see the day approaching when we'll see you face to face. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Help us to be wholehearted for you and to trust you for all these things. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.